Hello, guys. Welcome back. Another episode of Reaction Time, courtesy of our friends at Fairway. Um, Iowa State gave us some fun things to discuss as they competed in the collegiate duels. Um, they competed on Monday and Tuesday, so a little fun action for us in between regular season duels. Um, ben, I guess I'll start it off just by asking right off the bat, you know, first initial thoughts coming out of that. <laughs> Yeah, my first initial thoughts are it really screwed up what day it is for me because usually wrestling happens on the weekends. So my entire thought process was, all right, on Monday, it was Friday. On Tuesday, it was Saturday. And then apparently Wednesday rolled around and it was still, it wasn't Sunday. So I had to recalibrate how my mind was <laughs> tracking um, days of the week. So I don't even know what day of the week it is now. We have the holidays coming up. Apparently it's a Thursday. So I was just going to um, say, did it screw up your work day? Them. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> but no, as far as wrestling goes, I don't know that Iowa State could have had a better or more productive weekend. Um, Oregon State was fine. That went pretty much as expected. We'll, we can talk more about that. Cornell, I think, was one of the more telling wrestling meets I have ever seen in a regular season, the fact that three guys bumped up weights because coach asked him, Hey, do you guys want to try to win this dual meet? Or do you want to wrestle the weights that you're supposed to be at? And they're like, no, we want to win. So they trot out uh, Joel divine at 184. Marcus Coleman bumps up to 197 and then younger Vistita bumps up to heavyweight and all three of them win to win the, to win the dual meet. And they needed to win all those matches and to top it all off. The, the 97 pounder was a U23 world silver medalist. So he's second best in the world at the 23 and underweight age group. And Marcus Coleman bumps up a weight and beats him. And then at heavyweight, younger Bastida is given up 60 some odd pounds. And he finds a way to beat the number 15 guy heavyweight in the nation. So what I saw out of Iowa State against Cornell, and we can go weight by weight later, was incredibly telling about the toughness and the grit that this team shows and wrestling is obviously a lot about strength technique those sorts of things but there's a mental toughness that's needed in a wrestler and a wrestling team and iowa state has shown that they showed it against cornell and that was one of my favorite dual meets that iowa state's wrestled since i've been covering them i think that was phenomenal and then they go and wrestle penn state and most of the team maybe all the guys on the team wrestle quite well against Penn state. We'll dive deeper into that. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a great weekend for Iowa state wrestling. Uh, we're going to get more into scheduling later as well, but the way Kevin dresser set up this schedule has been phenomenal. And I think it'll pay dividends in March. Um, I think this is a good, I'll bring it up now just because like you said, the importance of, the scheduling of it. Um, I think if we didn't have the collegiate duels to judge the team on, we wouldn't feel how good we feel about them right now. Especially when you see the W NWCA rankings come out earlier and Iowa state moved up and now they're the number four team in the nation. They are literally only behind Penn state, Iowa and Arizona state. So this is huge. And the collegiate duels hundred percent had a huge impact in that. And I definitely agree with a lot of what you said about just Iowa state's overall grit and their effort. And I feel like because of so, so much happened after they wrestled Cornell, we've already kind of stopped talking about it, but the way those guys stepped up and bumping weights is not often like you might see a guy on a one-off bump up a weight, or if even in a very rare occasion, they might drop down for a little bit, but having all those guys bump was incredible, especially when you look at someone going from 197 to heavyweight like that range of weight between you and your opponent is huge. And I know someone tweeted it out somewhere. I, sh I should have looked up the weight difference between younger and um, uh, Luis Fernandez, but, or not Luis Fernandez, sorry. Um, Ryan Reyes. <laughs> no, I'm off. I was in, yep, yep. My brain's everywhere. Too, ma too many duels at once. Um, 
But uh, yes, Luis Fernandez, number 15, Luis Fernandez. Uh, so that's just, like you said, it from several wrestlers that I've talked to over the years, they've always said that the mental of it is like 90% of it. And the men- mental strength that you have to have to tell your coach, like, yes, I'm ready, bump me up. Um, we're going to win this is, I think, a really big, big thing. And it's a huge testament to how far this program has come and what a great product Kevin Dresser has been able to put together. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not even counting the fact that Iowa State didn't bring its starting 125-pounder. Kyson Tarakina didn't wrestle. Corey Kabanban wrestled well in his place. And then Iowa State also didn't bring Casey Sardurski at 141. Um, that's kind of how Iowa State dug itself in a little bit of a hole against Cornell. I think Casey Sardurski changes a couple outcomes at 141. Um, but the fact that he didn't wrestle, it gave Iowa State this opportunity to prove itself that, hey – we're gritty and we don't care who we're going to wrestle, what weight we're going to wrestle at. We're going to go out there. We're going to try to win. And they're not just going to try to win. They are going to win. And what's interesting is Sam Schuyler got hurt after the Oregon state uh, dual meet. And that was a match that he won 16 to four trying to get bonus points. So he got hurt getting bonus points in a match that Iowa state had already won handily. And this is not a criticism, this just goes to show the mental strength, the fortitude and the mindset that Iowa state has that even though we're winning and winning by a lot, I want to go out there and get bonus points. That's maybe the only criticism I have of this Iowa state team is not, they don't always get all the bonus points that I would expect them to. So the fact that Sam Schuyler went out there, put his body on the line to get bonus points was awesome to see. I don't, it doesn't sound like a major injury, so he should be back, especially by March, but probably even January. Um, I'd hope he's back by then. So, and then, and then it just set up the whole opportunity in the Cornell dual meet to bump everyone up and really show what Iowa State's made of. And not to mention, um, Zach Redding also bumped up a weight and wrestled at 141 yeah. when he's been wrestling at 133. So it was, Talk about a team effort, like the epitome of a team effort. Everyone stepped up how they needed to. And I was, this is kind of my main takeaway from, I I keep wanting to say weekend from this week. That's what I'm saying, Jackie. (laughs) It was the weekend, the Monday and Tuesday of this week were the weekend. I don't care what anyone says. It threw me off at work as well, because I was just like, you mean I have to answer emails and do my normal day to day in corporate America when you're, yeah, Iowa state is on the mat somewhere in new Orleans, <laughs> but uh, no, my biggest takeaway is that it's, it's a difficult thing to take on when you want to rebuild a program and especially in the way it, in the shape it was when Kevin dresser took it over. But I feel like a lot of what fans have been, especially those diehard fans who have been through it with them, who have been waiting for it to just get to like a really healthy point where they are very much a staple in the nation. They're, you know, top to bottom. Good. I feel like that's where they are now. Um, Even just because like, like you've said, they competed without a full healthy lineup and they still produced results. Depth, I think has been something that's been a big issue. You know, you're trying to just find, solid dudes to be your starters. Well, now you have them. And now you have guys that can be brought in when those starters get dinged up, like Casey Swiderski and Sam Schuyler um, are, which like you said, yeah, I don't, I don't see why we wouldn't see him, Sam Schuyler specifically come the first stools of the year. It sounded like it was just a, a hurt bicep, right? Yeah. A little bicep strain is what I was told. Yeah. So Hopefully he's back in there since, you know, they, they start back up with the bank. But like I said, they're number four in the nation. So yeah, Iowa state's back. I think, I think we can say it in, in the way here. 100% we can, <laughs> I don't know about comfortable, but I think it's fair to say that Iowa state is a national power. Once again, they competed with Iowa. They won five duels and five duels with Iowa bonus points for the difference. They competed with Penn State without two starters. Like if Sam Schuyler, I think, I don't know if they weighed him in for the Penn State duel, I probably should have looked. But if, let's say, Younger Bastida beats Max Dean and Iowa State has a legitimate shot at winning Penn State, I could see Sam Schuyler going out there to give it a shot against number one Greg Kirkfleet to try to beat Penn State. 
And even if that doesn't happen, I think it's a five, five dual meet with Penn state. So Iowa state is, I think we can say a national power and they're going to wrestle number three, Arizona state coming around here, um, in early January. So this is the point where Kevin Dresser wanted to get this program back to when he first got hired. And it's a huge testament to the guys he's developed. David Carr came in as a highly rated guy and you knew he was going to be good. And he has been, he's been phenomenal. He hasn't lost, but then he takes a guy like Marcus Coleman, who is a good wrestler. He won a few Iowa high school state wrestling championships, right? He's a good wrestler. He wasn't great his first few seasons. He won some good matches. He lost some confusing ones. Like, all right, this is going to be one of those guys who's going to be a number 15 ranked guy's entire career. Then last year, Marcus Coleman makes a massive jump and turns himself into an All-American. And this year, he's made another noticeable jump. And like I said earlier, he beat the number two, the silver medalist, at the U23 World Champions. He beat him wrestling at 197 up a weight. And the next day he darn near pins number one, Aaron Brooks and still beats him nine to seven. We can talk about that pin or not pin, whether or not we think it was at one eighty or one eighty four with Aaron Brooks. It doesn't matter. Marcus Coleman, it might've mattered in the dual meet if Sam Scholar was healthy, but at this point, hindsight, it, it didn't matter pin or not, but Marcus Coleman still be Aaron Brooks. And you can tell he's taken another step. That is a huge, huge testament and credit to Kevin Dresser, Brett Metcalf, Derek St. John, and Ben Durbin, the strength and conditioning coach. They've turned Marcus Coleman from a good wrestler into an elite level wrestler. And then you look at the recruiting class they brought in with Panero Johnson, Casey Swiderski, Ethan Perriman got some time against uh, Oregon State this, uh, this not weekend, on Monday. And he lost the number 10 guy five to two. He's going to know what the top 10 guy feels like now during his red shirt year. They brought in what the number two recruiting class in the nation last year. I think it was the Swarovski class. So they, Iowa state is really good right now. And I think they're just going to get better. You're going to lose Marcus Coleman after the year. You're going to lose Sam Schuyler after the year, but man, he's got a loaded room right now. And that is great to see. Yeah, I think it's a huge positive, especially when you can look at guys that are on their way out. Um, like you said, Marcus Coleman is graduating. Sam Skyler's graduating. Um, it's really positive that you can look and see that in the recruiting efforts, you have guys that are going to step up and fill in those shoes. Because, I mean, think back to just last year when Jared Dagan and Ian Parker were on their way out. You know, there was a lot of worry and hesitation about what this meant because these two guys had been such staples to the starting lineup. And now it was like, all right, well, who's next? Well, Pinero Johnson and Casey Swiderski have answered the door or bell. Sorry, bell. Open the door, answered the bell. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, this is it's just a very positive and healthy sign of how this program is growing and that it's not just a fluke. It's not just a good year. It's you have long-term commitments from guys um, who are here to make a difference. And I mean, just in interviews, I mean, Ben, you've been at some of these availabilities this season, the guys themselves are very confident and they are not afraid to say that as a, as a team, they are all so much more focused, so much more confident. They are so much more encouraging with each other. And I, I was thinking about it. I feel like that's why dresser has come off so much more relaxed because I always think back to like duels that we would go into like postal pressers where he was just heated always and never forget that OSU duel where he just lit them on fire in the post dual press conference where he essentially told them they failed here. They lost here because they didn't meet those expectations. Well, that's not the case anymore. So I feel like when you're a coach and your guys are bumping up weights, they're not scared. They're beating the number one guys in the nation. How can you be scared when you know you're going to go into the practice room after a loss against Penn state and they're going to turn it around? They're going to probably look at the mistakes they made and learn how to tweak them and be better. I mean, Panera Johnson talking about how he likes to watch film by himself all the time and just study himself and continue to figure out ways to change something about his strategy every single time he goes out there. That's insane. It's awesome. 
Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Panero Johnson. What a wrestler that guy is. That guy <laughs> is an animal. He go, he beats, uh, Oregon state, um, Riley Gurr, 14 to five, whatever major decision. Good for you. Later in the day, he gets number one, Yanni Dakamahalis. And this was one, this was the one that everyone had circled going into the weekend, right? We figured, Hey, maybe Penn state, Iowa state wouldn't be that competitive. You wouldn't think Marcus Coleman's going to beat Aaron Brooks. So we all had Yanni and Panero circled because Panero beat number two, Austin Gomez earlier in the year. Then Austin Gomez beats Yanni Dakamahalis. So Yanni's ranked number one, Gomez two. And then before this Panero Johnson was ranked number five. And it's like, all right, this is going to be really interesting. Panero, from what we've seen so far, his best offense is counterattacks. Now he can shoot his own shot and get, be successful doing those sorts of things. But if a guy shoots on him and they don't take a great shot, Panero's going to get a takedown off that. He's so explosive. His reattacks are so good that he is able to do those things. Yanni is one of the best, if not the best defensive wrestlers in all of wrestling. If you take a bad shot on Yanni, you're in for a bad time. So this, that was one I was super interested in. They both took a number of shots. This wasn't a Max Mirren, Panero Johnson match where Max just decided not to shoot a shot and hope he could club him to death. This was a legitimate, great wrestling match. And it was tied one-to-one. I know the score doesn't sound like there was all this great action, but tied one-to-one Gordon the sudden, uh, after the third period, going to sudden victory. And unfortunately, after a nice little flurry from both wrestlers, both shooting their reattacks and those sorts of things, Yanni did come out on top, beat Panero three to one. But just the fact that Panero is able to go toe to toe with Yanni, take him to sudden victory, make him be uncomfortable because right, Yanni's not used to sudden victory. He's not used to being uncomfortable, but Panero made him uncomfortable. And Panero was rewarded by being bumped up from number five to number three in the new intermat rankings this week. And I think that's, they got it absolutely right. Yanni's number one, Austin Gomez, number two, Panero, number three. They've all beaten each other. I think they all can beat each other. Come March, that's going to be an incredible weight, assuming all stay healthy. And I hope they do because Panero has shown something special this year. Like, can you just give me a round robin where <laughs> Panero faces off against both and then Yanni and Gomez again? Like, they are just, yeah, that is good action. And again, I need to continue to emphasize that Panero Johnson is a freshman. He's a true freshman. <laughs> he is fresh out of high school. <laughs> Maybe not now. Like, we're on the, on the, second half of the unofficial second half of the year season. Um, but yes, I completely agree to make, to make someone like Yanni uncomfortable, maybe feel a little heat. Um, I think one of the things that, and David Carr has always been the best example for this, you know, when guys who are maybe not favored on paper, they're just so terrified to go for a shot. So all they do is kind of essentially find a way to stall without getting called for it. And, Panero could have done that. Panero could have easily just tried his best to just float through the match, try to keep it low, low if possible for himself. And he didn't, he took shots. He did what he could. And I mean, going into sudden victory alone, is just insanity. I, I didn't expect that personally. I'm not afraid to admit that, but. It's um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next. And I think especially this is one of those scenarios and coach kind of mentioned it at, availability before they left about how Panero's obviously and really any wrestler is going to be really good when they're winning. They're going to be very confident and feel themselves really high at the top of the mountain when you're constantly winning, especially when, I mean, you're a true freshman coming in and you beat Austin Gomez, for example. Um, and he made a comment about how he's curious how he responds when he might hit a couple bumps in the road. And I think Yanni was always going to be a bump in the road, regardless of what confidence Panero had going into it, which is awesome. He should be confident. That's a great thing to have. I think as a wrestler, really any athlete, but I think Panero, given his maturity and what he's shown us so far, I'm sure he's going to use this and continue to be better and be really exciting come March when he could have the possibility to face him again. But I'm glad if he had to feel it, he's feeling it now before we head into, you know, the January duels and you finish out the month of February before you 
before it really matters, I guess. So. Yeah. He got to feel it now. And he got to respond. He, the next day he had to go and wrestle Penn state. He had to wrestle Shane Van Ness, another freshman. Now he's not a true freshman. He's a redshirt freshman, but another one that's really up and coming. He's at Penn state, you know, he's a good wrestler and he beat Shane Van Ness three to two. And that was a really good response by him. Shane, he, he tried to slow the match down, right? He tried to get into tie-ups. He tried to hammer on Panero's head and hand fight and all that fun stuff, really try to slow him down and fatigue him. But I, I don't know what people's strategy is when they wrestle Panero, but I think they're going to have to change it because Panero doesn't get tired, right? You can club on him all you want. The two matches now that's happened against highly ranked guys, Max Murren and Shane Van Ness, where you try to close the gap, club on him, hand fight. And Panero is as fresh as ever. He's ready to go and he, he wins both those matches. So um, I don't know if I can say enough good things about Panero. He responded to his loss, right? He lost to Yanni, responded with a win. And I, because I had the same question you did, Jackie, how does he respond once he loses? Because he's a, he's a freshman, right? He's not going to go undefeated. There's only one Kale Sanderson. So how's he respond? And he responded really well. And that was great to see. Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun and it's going to continue to be a lot of fun. Um, I think just overall, I'm pretty excited to see what everyone can do. And I'm excited to see, you know, Sojerski come back. I'm excited to see Kyson Tarakina make a comeback to the lineup and um, see what he, you know, what kind of, training he's done, I guess, mental training, I should say, since it sounds like a lot of the issues with him has been just finding results due to, you know, just the mental preparation of it. Um, overall, when you look at all of these, um, matches that they had, what would you say was your highlight? So the highlight I think is a, an easy one. <laughs> it's Marcus Coleman <laughs> over Aaron Brooks. That was uh, incredible. But if that one is off the table, I want to highlight David Carr's weekend because David Carr, we, I mean, we said this last year too, we've gotten used to his greatness. And I don't know that we should, uh, David Carr had a phenomenal weekend. He wrestled a top 25 guy in every match, every match he won. First one was against, uh, Matthew Olgan from Penn state one, six to one, didn't give up a takedown. Second one, he wrestles number seven, Julian Ramirez from Cornell wins 10 to five, gave up the first takedown of the season against Julian. And that was on a little funky funk roll type deal. So, I mean, yeah, I gave the takedown, but yeah. And then against Penn state, he wrestles number 14, Alex Facondo, who is an up and coming wrestler. Penn state is, they have an interesting team. They're half young and half kind of old, but Alex is one of those young guys and David Carr beats him four to two. So bumping up a weight, David Carr is after this weekend is the only undefeated Iowa state wrestler. And all he's done is won and produced results for the cyclone. So I do want to highlight how great he still is for Iowa state, because we've talked about younger Bastida and unfortunately I'm going to have to end my crusade to rank younger <laughs> Bastida number one, just for the moment. He did lose to defending national champion, Max Dean against Penn state. So that kind of put a, a pause on my crusade for a little bit, but until everyone else loses the Rocky Elums of the world, then I can continue my crusade again. But, um, younger did lose Panero Johnson has lost. Casey Swarovski has lost all these guys that we love talking about Marcus Coleman lost and they deserve to be talked about, but David Carr is still great. And I think we need to highlight that. I think it's exactly like as you said, he's just so good and we're so used to him being Mr. Reliable. He's consistent that even I, I remember when I was watching the Penn state duel, David won four to two. I don't know if it was just my interpretation, but he, when he walked off the mat, I felt like he looked almost kind of angry. Like he didn't, it didn't go as well as he wanted it to, because again, he's David Carr. If you, if you talk to him, he's not very good at necessarily talking about those things about himself. But like, I think it's sometimes it's really easy to watch him and realize that he felt he could do more because sometimes those guys do kind of stall him out and make it hard for him to, you know, get those takedowns. But yes, I agree. As you said, we 
definitely taken for granted. And he continues to be such a force for that team. And I am fully convinced that David Carr's success at Iowa state is a big part of why so many guys like Pinero, like Casey, who are young and coming in, know that there's a true future for them to be good and be champions and be on a team that is nationally relevant. Um, so yeah, we should, we definitely should talk more about David Carr. Younger Bastida continues to be good, but yes, like you said, um, unfortunately, I guess we could talk about it now. Unfortunately, younger did not defeat Max Dean. He lost four to one. Um, I was a little surprised by that, but at the same time, I, I had someone text me talk about just like the excitement of people growing in their interest in wrestling. I had a, a friend text me really confused why younger had lost. They were just distraught. <laughs> They're like younger's number two. What do you mean? He lost to number five. Um, Maxine's good. <laughs> Maxine yeah, might defending be a national champion. Yeah. Like this. Younger wasn't going against some cupcake. <laughs> so he definitely had a challenge in front of him. And hey, like to repeat what coach always says, you learn the most about yourself when you lose. So if Younger had to lose, then this is the best time to do it so that he can continue on a rampage <laughs> on the back end of the season. Yeah. The, talking about the Max Dean Younger Bastida match, I, I got concerned when Younger didn't get a takedown in the first period. Younger has made a name for himself getting takedowns and getting takedowns early. And if a guy is able to prevent that, I think that's going to be a telltale sign going forward that Younger is going to, he's either going to have to dig deep to get the win or he might lose because he is so explosive and so strong that some of that explosiveness goes away toward the end of the matches. And when he didn't get that takedown the first period, I got a little bit concerned. The shot he did get in deep on, Max Dean did a great job defending it and turning it into a takedown of his own. And the one positive that I do want to highlight about Younger in that match was he chose down and he was able to get out from under Max Dean to get the escape uh, to start a period. And I did like seeing that a lot. It didn't look like he had to work that hard for it. He had a plan. He knew what he was going to do on bottom and he was able to execute that plan. So I did like seeing that again, that's growth and folk style from younger Bastida, which was great to see even in a loss. And that might be one of those things Kevin Dresser was talking about. You learn a lot about yourself in a loss. You got to go out and get a first takedown the first period. And if the match is close, you can choose down. You can, because that, that didn't happen against Jacob Warner, right? When Jacob Warner wrestled Younger Bastida earlier this year, Younger chose neutral. Against Max Dean, defending national champion, he chose down. He needed to get a take, he needed to get an escape so he could get a takedown and tie the match up potentially. So um, I did like seeing that growth from Younger, even in a loss. I think it's, I think the biggest thing, and I feel like, again, the scheduling of it and the, just the timing of it, it was hard to really like emphasize, I think to those who are more casual viewers, just like how important some of these matches were going into Penn state, because I mean, like you said, Max Dean defending champion, like with the road that younger's headed on, you know, the goal is that younger would ideally be in that championship match. Right. Like that's probably what he has yep. circled on a, on a calendar for himself. So when you get an opportunity to wrestle Penn state in December, you're essentially getting a taste of what your, your literal like seven minutes can be between you and a title. And I think that's what was so exciting. And I think what just had me just so I guess amped up, not just because it was Iowa state versus Penn state. We can talk about the history between Cale Sanderson and Iowa <laughs> state all day and all of the rich, angry, successful stories that are there. But I think it was just a really important dual match for some of those guys who are truly fighting their way to titles. And Marcus Coleman is a perfect example of that. He took down the number one guy in the nation. If you have any, any inkling in yourself that you think you can truly go up and fight for a title in March, you have to be ready to beat those guys. And Marcus Coleman did that. And I feel like this is a good time to just, let's just talk about Marcus Coleman, because like you said, there were matches we all had circled and, Paniero versus Yanni was one of them. And going into Penn State, Younger was for me. And I had yep, other people agree. Because again, this is, 
you're potentially looking at the championship match in March. But I did not see Marcus Coleman giving us the gift that he gave us. I was sitting there with my two friends who are very, very much like, I'm fully convinced they're just watching wrestling because of me. I don't think it was because they were like, I think I'm going to get into wrestling. I was, <laughs> I was definitely freaking out. Cause I, it was just like, Oh, he's going to do it. Oh, Brooks is on his back. <laughs> like this is happening. Yeah. I was, I was huddled around on my computer at my parents. I'm home for Christmas uh, at my parents kitchen table. And we were watching the Marcus Coleman, Aaron Brooks match. And um, it's like, okay, this is go okay, going well, going well, whatever. And then, like you said, Marcus puts Aaron Brooks on his back. It's like, oh my gosh, he's going to pin him. He's going to pin him. And I said, <laughs> he's going to pin him maybe 10 times in a row. And I was, I was a little bit freaking out. I'm usually a pretty composed individual, but this was one where even I started getting hyped up a little bit. And was he pinned? I can see where the ref didn't call it. If I'm being honest, but the cyclone colored glasses that I might wear say he was pinned. <laughs> so am I upset? The ref didn't call it. Not really. I understand why he didn't. They were rolling around quite a bit. I did think Marcus had him stuck there for a little bit in the pinning area on the back. I, his shoulder blade, it was close. It was close. I understand why I didn't call it, but I thought he was stuck. Even still, you don't get the pin call from the ref. You still have to wrestle the rest of the match. And there were some reversals in that third period where Aaron Brooks reversed Marcus, then Marcus reversed Aaron Brooks. And it was just wild. And here's, I, I think I tweeted this. Aaron Brooks isn't just a number one ranked wrestler. He's, and he was pound for pound, one of the best wrestlers in collegiate wrestling. He's up there with Spencer Lee's of the world. He's up there with the Roman Bravo Young's of the world. And it was a not quite a foregone conclusion, but essentially a foregone conclusion that he would be the number one guy all season. He'd go undefeated and win a national title once again. Marcus Coleman has made that a huge question mark now because Marcus Coleman's very good. Parker Keckheisen at UNI is very good. There's some other guys at that weight. Like, oh boy, this this is now a competitive weight come March. And Marcus Coleman has put himself right in the middle of national contender, national championship level guy. And that's, we've talked about that, but phenomenal to see. I think, like you said, I think it's one of those things where we've been so focused maybe on like the competitiveness and the excitement around 149 or 197 when 184 should also be like a focus because Parker Kaizen also had himself a weekend. He pinned um, Trent Hidley from NC state who is ranked third in the nation. And, um, this, I, I, he was, oh, they flip-flopped. I just had to look at the Parker Kaizen was number three last week and Trent Hidley was number two. Now they flipped. So I think it's going to be, and I mean, Marcus is just sitting there waiting for his turn for Parker Kaizen come February when they wrestle you and I, um, I think this is going to be also a really fun weight class. Um, I think the thing with, yeah, this win, I, I feel like it reminds me of things coaches said about Marcus in the past about how Marcus has always been good. It was just going to take Marcus remember like realizing he was good and really changing how he trained and how he approached himself in the wrestling room to really figure it out. And at some point, and I've asked Marcus this in the past, uh, I'm sure I'll ask him again to see if his answers changed, but I've asked him like, when did it click? What do you think had happened or pushed you or was it something was it a loss that like made you flip a switch because marcus coleman to me was a flip of a switch it was like one day he was just this guy on that we knew was good could have good days had bad days to where he is now or he really has just made himself just a staple of that um starting lineup and he always just says no not really nothing nothing really happened <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just started trying. I just started trying differently. I don't know. So I'm curious if his, if his answer will change maybe now that he's, I don't know, in his last year and you become maybe a little more philosophical as you're about to close that chapter of your life. But 
I'm excited to see where Marcus Coleman's season goes. Marcus is definitely one of, I guess if I, as we always say, huge younger Bastida fans here on this pod. I also have been, had a softer spot for Marcus. I think just because, I mean, he's been here longer than I have and I've been covering this team six years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, he's, he's exciting. And I think what makes him exciting is that, is that you've kind of watched him go from, where he started to just this powerhouse now. And as you said, we can argue all day about whether that was a pin or not. I just want to give a shout out to the forums. Like I tend to do, I was reading their thread and I'm talking guys had medical textbook screenshots in there discussing (laughs) like the, the back and like the bones in the back and arguing about was Aaron Brooks shoulder down or not. Do I think he was pinned? As you said, I think the cyclone in me says yes, but I went back and I watched Parker Kekaisen pin Trent Hidley, and that pin was called within seconds. And it looked about similar to me. So all I'm saying is I think there could have been, maybe should have been a pin called, but we'll never know. And in the end, Marcus Coleman still prevailed. Still prevent. I think that's the, the biggest part because it'd be so easy to darn near have a pin, have it not called and be like, okay, now I still have to wrestle the rest of this match. And Marcus did. And that's a huge testament to him. And going back to a point that you made earlier, Iowa state has a lot of weights to watch now before, even with, you know, previous years, you'd have back when I started, you'd watch 133 with Earl hall, 165 with Tanner Weatherman, then 174 with uh, Leland Weatherspoon. And all the other weights were fine, but those were the three weights that you watched. Then the last couple of years, okay, David Carr, 157, Ian Parker, 141, Jarrett Degan, 149, and maybe Gannon Greville at heavyweight. And then, like we said, Marcus Coleman, win or lose, who knows? And then you had some other guys who were good, but not always great. But now there are a lot of weights that are really important, are really fun to watch for Iowa State. I mean, I 141, 149, 165, 184, 197, and then 285. Sam Schuyler has been great. He's a top 10 wrestler right now. He beat a two-time All-American earlier this year and Trent Hidley at, uh, not Trent Hidley, um, Trent Hilger <laughs> at Wisconsin. He beat him earlier this year. So Sam Schuyler's proven himself to be a top 10 wrestler. There, uh, Kevin Dresser has done a phenomenal job getting these guys and developing these guys. And there's just a lot of important and fun weights to watch this year. And it's a testament to the team and it's a testament to how they're wrestling. And it's super fun for us. It is super fun. It makes our job a lot more fun when, I mean, to be frank, when we have more to talk about than David Carr being good, essentially, because that's, you know, I feel like that's where we were at one point where it was like, well, today we might be surprised today. Something good might happen. And you could always count on David Carr though, but now it's just yep. like Marcus came from behind and just surprised us before even going into that Basita match, which is awesome. And again, shout out to the forums. Apparently uh, Stu clone in the forums said he listened to a radio interview that Sirochi from Penn state did where he Again, I'm just reading what they post in the forums. They, He said that in his post-match interview, he said, we peak in the postseason. Iowa State peaked today. It'll be fun seeing us improve and them decline. <laughs> I don't oh, have much I, I don't have much to add on, you know, like, oh, Starochi sucks. I don't have anything bad to say about him. I, he's no, an incredible athlete. No, absolutely not. I love that. I love the trash talk. I just needed to be understood that a Penn State wrestler who is good who is very number good. one like this number is one a, the country defending national champion is sitting here talking crap about iowa state because that's, that's how beautiful. that's how bothered that's how in maybe not bothered i don't know what the word would be but enough Bother, happened in, no that's bothered for sure enough so. happened in this duel with iowa state that he had to go and make that comment and it i love it i it feeds it if you if you want was, to <laughs> if you want to understand how relevant Iowa State is, <laughs> yeah, Iowa State didn't wrestle three starters against Penn State and won four out of the ten matches. I think if they wrestle all five starters, they win five out of the five or five out of the ten. 
and you know, probably like Iowa bonus points of difference, Penn state still probably wins, but you're going toe to toe against perennial number one, number two teams in the country. And they're both taking notice. I mean, you go to Tom Brand's interview after the Iowa, Iowa state dual meet. And he's like, yeah, this is a dual meet now. And it's great for the rivalry. You go to this Carter Strachey. Okay. He's going to start talking trash about Iowa state. That's, that's awesome. There's no easier way to find out that you're relevant than other top teams trying to make you not relevant or like, Oh no, they peaked now. This is when they're peaking. <laughs> and I don't think I could disagree more because like I said, Iowa state didn't wrestle three starters. Iowa state didn't wrestle at one twenty five, one forty one, 141 or heavyweight starters. And they were still right there. And I don't think it was peaking because younger Bastida lost. I think if younger Bastida is peaking at the right time, he beats Max Dean. So I like the trash talk from Carter Strachey, but I think he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just glorious, especially when those three starters that are out are guys that are year-round ranked. Like these aren't guys, you know, they're not bringing back guys that aren't going to make a difference. Bringing them back makes a difference. So, yes, absolutely. like I said, I would say jump two spots because of this weekend and people are taking notice, which... I think this is a good transition time to the importance of what you schedule throughout the season. You know, last season we didn't see a lot of tournaments or wasn't really much going on. There wasn't much ranked opponents really for the team, which I think impacted them come March this season, completely night and day difference. I mean, I I had it written down somewhere, but it's just like, this is one of, I would say it's one of tough, one of their tougher dual seasons. Um, they're facing teams that are in the, I believe it's like the top 10, like so many teams in the top 10, which they have Arizona state coming, uh, January 7th, I believe January 7th. God, my trip. January 8th, Sunday. Okay. Um, that's the number three team in the nation coming to Ames, Iowa to wrestle them. Um, and so just, Looking at this week, Monday and Tuesday, the collegiate duels where you had such quality matches between so many good teams and it wasn't all ranked teams. It wasn't all top five teams. I wanted to bring up what the collegiate duels did (laughs) across NCAA wrestling. So as we saw, Iowa state is now ranked number four in the nation, Northern Iowa beat Ohio state number three, Ohio state, 19 to 13, which is huge for them. Big shout out to Doug Schwab and his team. This had absolutely, this pushed you and I up nine spots, (laughs) nine Ohio state dropped four. And then when you look at a team like North Carolina, who wrestled on the other side of the tournament or collegiate duels, um, just like you and I did, they are completely out of the rankings. They were number 21 the last time these rankings came out. And because of their performance at collegiate duels, they're completely out of it. (laughs) So these things being scheduled are important and they make a difference. And I think collegiate duels shows that when you have Iowa state going up against Penn state and they lose and they still climb the rankings. And then you look at, Northern Iowa who beat Ohio state and jumped nine spots. That's huge for them. So this just, I think what dresser has put together and the experience these guys are getting alone in the next two weekends is going to really impact their product come allocation time and really how well they compete come March and clearly rankings are obviously important, but I mean, at the end of the day, if you're good and you have it in you, you can definitely be those top guys that everyone says are untouchable. Hmm. Yeah. Like Aaron Brooks. I thought he was untouchable. Well, Marcus <laughs> I Coleman think had we all did. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with you about the scheduling Last year, I think they only wrestled like five or six ranked teams, Iowa, Arizona State, Missouri, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I think we're probably it. And this year, you can't go a weekend or two without meeting a ranked opponent. And not just a ranked opponent, like 
a top 10 opponent. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit similar top 15 for sure. Because Cornell was ranked 12 and it's gonna, like you said, it's going to prepare Iowa state for March and not to get hung up on Carter Starachi's comments, but I'm gonna, <laughs> um, I think that's just another reason Iowa state's not peaking right now. They're going to wrestle a lot more ranked teams. They're going to get quite a bit better. They're going to keep improving. They're going to keep feeling top guys. And the more you wrestle top guys, the more you're used to it, the more confidence you can get in yourself, get within yourself. And we've seen this already be a confident Iowa state team. We've talked about that a lot today. And I think that confidence can only grow as you keep competing against top ranked teams and keep proving that you belong. Well, I feel like when you've faced the big demons, right? The biggest teams in the nation, the teams that everyone's scared of, you have Penn state and Iowa and Iowa state has competed against them and they've come out of it going up in the rankings. Iowa state went up in the rankings after they lost to Iowa. And if they're being like, if that's not a testament to, it's not just you as a fan thinking, Oh, Iowa state did well, even though they lost like people who study and analyze and watch these teams and vote on these things are agreeing with everyone. Like Iowa state is doing well, even when maybe the final team score isn't necessarily saying that. And I think with them facing Arizona state right off the bat off this, after this break, I think it's only going to help them more because going back to the comments, are they really peaking when they've just faced their, some of the toughest opponents they'll have all season. And now they have all this time to continue to refine and compete against other teams. I mean, they're going to wrestle Arizona state and then they'll have Oklahoma state in a few weeks come to Ames. And then they have Northern Iowa in February and they have Missouri to end the season. And I looked it up. I just found it. It was in, Andy's weekly notes, um, eight of Iowa state's dual opponents are ranked in the poll, two of them being in the top, being in the top five, and then six of them inside the top 15. So this is a tough schedule. And at this point, Iowa state's going to face their toughest opponents in a, in within what, two weeks in two weeks, I'll have faced them. (laughs) Yep. And not to, you know, harp on it too much, but you said Arizona state was their next time we see them in action and actually oh. the Southern scuffle, which is a yes. great mid season individual tournament is happening on January 1st and 2nd. Like it's cliff Keen, Southern scuffle and Midlands are the three big individual tournaments mid season. Iowa state has signed up for Southern scuffle. It's going to be, I think the collegiate duels might've been actually a better simulation for what March is going to be because you get a wrestle Oregon, Cornell, and Penn State, three good teams. Like Oregon was ranked coming into this. Oregon State was ranked coming into this. And they wrestled three matches in two days, two on the same day. That's a pretty good simulation for March. And then the second day, you wrestle Penn State. And if you're on the championship side of the bracket, that's a great simulation for March. So you get that. And then Southern Scuffle, you get an individual tournament. Again, it's going to be another simulation for March. How do you get down to weight? One hour weigh-ins, all of these things. How do you recover after your first match? So um, Southern Scuffles, as great as the dual meets are and as fun as they are for us and the fans, these individual tournaments are also going to be really important as well. And Southern Scuffle is going to be a great one. Yeah, it's again, it's one of those things where the schedule just kind of the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) And I think people are definitely hungry and excited because I mean, like I said, my, my good friends in the forums, I was reading some of their happenings today and they're already itching for more because <laughs> we are I would too. Say, yeah, I would say it has to be doing something right. If everyone's itching to keep watching and I definitely walked out of Monday and Tuesday, like, okay, <laughs> I wish it was January and I was going to Ames. <laughs> so it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun second half of the season as we like to call it. Um, as we said, Iowa state is yet to reach their peak and they're currently number four. So. Are you sure about that? Jackie Carter Strachey doesn't seem so sure that, uh, I think, I think he thinks Iowa state's reached his peak. So I don't know. We might have to get a rain check on that. Maybe they have peaked. Maybe he <laughs> read the stuff about oh, how dressers only a dual. It's they're only a dual tournament team, not a, uh, yeah. yeah, a dual team, not a tournament team. <laughs> Which I don't know. 
They're we'll starting see. to slowly show signs that it, times are changing. But that's a conversation we'll have come March. <laughs> it will. It will. Right now, they're killing the dual game. So, any final thoughts, Ben? Oh, boy. I think we covered it all. And, yeah. No, I th- great weekend. I, one of the best wrestling weekends I think I've been a part of. It wasn't really a part of it. I just watched it happen, which is awesome. <laughs> And yeah. like we've said, it's the schedule. It, I don't know if it gets better necessarily, but it stays at this level. It stays strong. The Iowa state's going to wrestle good teams the rest of the year. And it's, it is exciting times to be an Iowa state fan because even these last few years, there were times where you're getting ready to wrestle Iowa. It's like, Oh boy, that's not that exciting. We know what's going to happen. I was going to win seven <laughs> out of the 10 matches and they're going to talk trash, which is great. Uh, but now Iowa state has a legitimate chance and probably should win all of its remaining dual meets, Arizona state, Missouri are going to be tough matches. Don't get me wrong. And they're going to be great measuring sticks for Iowa state, but there's no reason they can't win those. And that's a great, great place to be within a wrestling program. And Iowa state hasn't been in that spot since I've started covering the team. So uh, it's, we're treading you and me, Jackie are treading new waters, the old heads, the diehard wrestling fans there, they were used to this at one point. And I hope it's something that we get to get used to as well. Definitely makes the job more fun. It absolutely does. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. My final thoughts are the same. I'm just ready for more wrestling. It's crazy that it's already January, or I guess not yet. We have a few weeks, but it's crazy we're all ready. We have Christmas to get through. <laughs> yeah, we got a few cold days here, so. Oh, my gosh. Hope everyone can out of here. stay warm. Yeah, stay safe. Yeah. Yeah, safe travels, whatever you got planned. Just make sure you're prepared as they're telling us all over the news. Um but yeah happy holidays everyone shout out again to our sponsor fairway for supporting the sport of wrestling and especially ben and i here at cyclone fanatic so tune in when we return when whenever we whenever that is i'm not sure ben we'll decide we'll figure it out (laughs) thanks guys